0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement.
2: We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee
3: baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott
2: Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 219. It is 2018 Yankees opening day. Finally, the long, cold winter is over, Scott.
3: Let's go. We got a freaking baseball game today that actually matters. I'm very excited about that. It's not today because we're recording the night before, but you know what I'm talking about. This <laughs> is a 3:37 game, which can only happen in Canada. It's like, uh, you know, back in the 1990s, watching a TBS show. I don't really understand the start time, but I don't really give a shit because it's at 3:37. Real baseball. We got New York Yankees back, baby. I am, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm freaking pumped up.
2: It's, uh, it's almost like i um. I can't believe it's actually happening tomorrow because the the winter for the Yankees, some major things happened, but for a good portion of it, absolutely nothing happened. Nothing happened across baseball in general. Spring training until the last day when Bird went down with the injury was pretty uh, seamless, I guess. I don't know. I don't want to say uneventful because it's, it's still Stanton in, in, in town or Stanton finally on the team, Aaron Boone, new manager, but... Things were going about as well as they possibly could until the last day of spring and training. And that's kind of what much.
3: you want. You want you want a no drama spring training. Like that's a good right. spring training. And Greg Bird had to go and screw the whole thing up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're not going to start though. So we're. I was actually debating this. I was, I was putting the notes together and I was debating. Do we start with Greg Bird? Or no, do we, we can't. Save it for the we end. We can't. It's, it's going to ruin things. Which we right. can't do it. Like no one's happy about Greg Bird, but we have to also realize that that it's opening day. It's it's only going to be two months, hopefully. Knock on wood. And the Yankees still have plenty of things to be optimistic about. So we're going to get into all of that. A uh, couple and, of housekeeper- and real quick. It yeah. could be worse. We could have Chris Carter playing first base,
3: and we right, don't. Right. Right. So let's think right. about that. Let's all be thankful <laughs> that Chris Carter is not playing first base right now. The same situation last year with Bird injury, but but at least it's not Chris Carter. For the love of God. Exactly. So we got
2: that going for us. A couple of housekeeping notes before we get into everything. We have been doing a ton of podcasting this week. So you guys probably heard the Monday show. We had Joe's McFly on. He was in Tampa. That was a really fun episode to do. So if you guys have not listened to that yet, uh, go back on Monday and check that one out. Tuesday's episode was an AL East preview of the Blue Jays and Red Sox. We had Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet Canada on to talk about the Blue Jays. Scott talked to him. And then he actually kind of got me a little bit more optimistic about the Blue Jays. I'm not going to lie. I know. Me too. Yeah. And then uh, our old friend Chad Jennings uh, talking about the Red Sox. That was a really fun one as well. And then on Wednesday's show, I spoke with Neil Salons, who does raise pre, uh, pre and post game on the radio. He was also kind of optimistic about the Rays, but he did not get me optimistic about yeah. the Rays. <laughs> like you're, um, um,
3: you're drunk. Let's let's, yeah. let's let's pull it back. <laughs>
2: I was kind of. It was, I was even before Ref Snyder was on their team. Yeah, now, now, like you said, the the I guess the Yankees are gonna have to go eighteen one against the against the Rays this year because yeah. your boy Ref you got to give one up. And then we had Britt Giroli on. Scott spoke with her about the Orioles and some Manny Machado stuff that I think you guys may have disagreed on, but that was fun as well.
3: Yeah, it was an interesting conversation. She was uh, she was of the the thinking, and I think that what she's doing is just she spent a lot of time around that management, so she kind of knows. I guess what they're, you know, the inner, inner workings of, uh, of how they think, but I, I have a hard time believing the fact that, that these guys are not going to be sellers at the deadline. I don't really care what happened last year. The, the bottom line is, is this is the actual free agency year. And unless you trade them, you're going to get nothing and you're not resigning them hundred percent. So why would yeah, you
2: it's, not? It's pretty much um, baseball 101. one Yeah. I don't really understand why they wouldn't. And uh, just uh, also on the podcasting, so we're going back to two episodes per week. You guys are listening to this Thursday show right now. It's going to be every Monday and every Thursday going forward for the remainder of the season, hopefully very deep into October. Last year, we actually did a podcast after every Yankees playoff game. We committed to it early on, (laughs) hoping there was going to be a bunch of games. Then there were a bunch of games, and I don't think we realized exactly the toll it was going to take on us. But it was still fun, and if the Yankees do make it back that far, we will do a podcast after every playoff game as well.
3: Yeah, now I know what to prepare for, so expectations are in line. I'm good. I'm ready to go. I don't give a shit because this year we were expecting to be
2: there. Let's go. And uh, April 7th, we are just around the corner from April 7th, which is our first Bronx Pinstripes event of the year. If you ordered by, what was the deadline? Monday. If you ordered by Monday, you're going to get your t-shirt. It's uh, it's actually a pretty sick shirt. Scott, I'm sure we'll be putting it out on social media in the next coming days. But the slogan on it is One Mission, which gets the blood pumping. <laughs> One Mission, Chase for 28, let's friggin' go.
3: I'm just going to say let's go after every uh, every like f- five sentences that I say because I feel like <laughs> it just gets me going at this point. And, and if you want to hear some more good news about the One Mission shirts, they haven't even been released yet. Um, but the, uh, I, I do have, I'm talking with some of the guys, um, with the Yankees in Tampa and all that, and they just ordered 50 of the shirts. So if you, if they're good enough for the Yankees brass, they're good enough for us. And, uh, I, I'm excited about that. Hopefully we're going to start seeing some of these tees uh, hit the players soon too. So, um, big stuff with that. Yeah. The one mission shirt, I'll put it out on social media, probably tomorrow at some point. Um, cool. but they look pretty cool.
2: And even if you didn't order by the deadline to get your T-shirt, you can still get a ticket to the event. You can go on right now yes. on the fan shop. You can buy a ticket for the event. And you're still going to get the T-shirt. It's just not going to come in time for the game. So even you can still rock that T-shirt to the stadium in the days after the events because you will still receive the T-shirt. I think there was some mis- actual miscommunication on that, saying people, if they didn't order by then, they might not get the T-shirt. No, you're getting the T-shirt. Yeah, the T-shirt's you coming get to the, you. You get the pregame party, which is a $4 pitchers. Uh, or ten dollar pitchers, ten dollar pitcher. Sorry, if you <laughs> go to Andrew, he'll buy you a four dollar pitcher, though. Yeah, I'll buy one person a four dollar <laughs> pitcher. Uh, four dollar tall boys, and then ten dollar pitchers at the dugout, which is right across from the stadium. It's a one p.m. game; should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, the weather is uh, bright and sunshine for us. We got a
3: lineup, dude. We got a we got a lineup put out today. I, I'm I'm glad that they unveiled this thing in like grand fashion because I was really hoping they were gonna do it before we uh, got on tonight.
2: Well, I thought they were going to drop it like 10 minutes after our yeah. episode drops tomorrow. That's how it rolls. Because that's what usually happens. So the lefty haps on the mound. So here's how the lineup goes. Gardner in left field leading off. Judge right field. Stanton DH. Sa- uh, Sanchez catching in the cleanup spot. So they're stacking the righties. Mm-hmm. Bird would have been there in a number, in the number three hole had he been healthy. But he's not. Hicks at number five. This actually kind of surprised me. Didi, number six. Drury at third base, number seven. Walker in the eight hole at second. And then Tyler Austin, the backup first baseman, or now the starting first baseman, who knows, uh, batting ninth at first base. What are your initial thoughts on the lineup? Uh, my initial thoughts were, were we're facing a
3: lefty, so I understand the stacking of the the right-handed bats. This may have happened even if Bird was healthy. Because we're facing a lefty off the bit off the bat, um, so that was uh, that was one of my my first thought. There was was that it's a it's a good thing. Like this is probably what was going to happen anyway when you face a lefty like this. Like you can stack the the righties at this point. I agree with you. I think Hicks over Didi was a surprise. That was one of the ones that that was surprised, especially because Didi's you know really showed that he can hit left handed pitching well, um, and then. I guess the only, I mean, we're nitpicking at this point, but uh, Austin, Walker and Austin, you know, potential flip-flop, but again, it's really not that big of a difference.
2: It doesn't really matter. And I don't even frankly think it matters that much if Didi's fifth or sixth or vice versa with Hicks. Um, the meat of the order, Judge Stanton Sanchez is filthy. And that's the thing that Hap is going to go to bed tonight as we're talking, having nightmares about. I mean- that's what all pitchers are going to be fearful of: is facing those three hitters back to back to back. They can all take you five hundred feet deep.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it keeps going though. I mean, Didi's Dee going to hit. You know, we're looking at him as a projected thirty home run guy. Um, Hicks, who the hell knows what he could do with an entire season? We haven't seen that, so this will be, you know, interesting and and fun to kind of. Uh, you know, evaluate him over a long period of time. But, you know, he's got some pop in there. Look, everybody up and down the lineup, there's pop. There's pop everywhere. Every single person in this lineup can hit the ball out of the park. Even Gardner knows how to hit a home run <laughs> very well when uh, uh, when he's facing these guys. So there's, there's a there's a, a fear and, and a threat of power everywhere. And I love that. And against the lefty, when you have these righties, like, it's all good. We got some switch headers in there. Uh, so I, I think this lineup is is going to do some uh, some good damage. I'm hoping they can get off. Get off the bat very fast.
2: And what I expect them to do at second base, um, so I expect Walker, Tyler Wade, and Tyler Austin to sort of be on a rotation depending on, on who is on the mound. Yeah. So you got the lefty Hap on the mound, so you get both Walker and Austin in the game. They can both hit right-handed. Walker's obviously a switch hitter. But if there's a righty on the mound, then you can put Tyler Wade at second base. He's a lefty bat. And then you can shift uh, Neil Walker over to first. Who's a switch hitter. Like I just said, so he can, he can bat left against that righty. So I think that's what we're going to see a lot. And who knows? Maybe Tyler Austin comes out of the gate blazing and you don't want to take his bat out of the lineup. Or or if someone's hot, I think Boone is going to be playing the hot hand, but at least on paper, that's what I imagine him doing.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, I think you're going to see some some experimentation from Boone early on as well. I think he's going to not really commit to something that's you know a definitive lineup, and I think we're going to see a lot of the the, the flexibility from five down because I, I think now especially with Bird hurt, we're going to see primarily these these top four guys stay there. Maybe they'll put a guy like Didi in the three spot, um, or, or you know at least a lefty bat in there at some point to break those up to break those right-handed bats up when there is um, a, a tough righty on the. On the mound, but other than that, like we're going to see those guys up uh, up top, and uh, and then we'll see some flip flopping down below. But yeah, this is this is this is something that's uh, it's a it's nice and flexible because now Boone has the ability to move guys around, match up lefty righty. Um, you know, Walker can play multiple positions, so he's not you know stuck with one guy in one position. It gives him a really good flexibility with two young guys at second and at first base with uh, with Neil Walker.
2: And I think we mentioned this with Joe on the podcast uh, on Monday, but we might also see Tyler Wade get a couple days over at third base.
3: He did. Well, Boone also talked about that, how he could spell Drury over there at, at third. Yeah. Because, I mean, you're looking around who's going to be. And, and you also have uh, Therese who can who can definitely fill in um, a day or two at third, at short, or at second. So, you know, Therese is a guy that they're going to mix in there at some point as well. And, you know, he's got a good right-handed bat. He could go in there against a tough lefty, and he, you know, you're always getting a pretty good at bat from him. Um, so he's a he's another guy that we'll mix in and can play third.
2: Anything else you want to
3: overanalyze about a lineup? <laughs> There's nothing to overanalyze in on this one. It's pretty it's pretty clear. I mean, I, I think a lot of people maybe were expecting to see Wade out there for opening day just because of the narrative and how well he played, but I think. I I, you know don't read too much into this and the fact that like people might get disappointed that he's not there. The reason he's not there right now, I believe, is because um, J hap or J A hap, whatever the hell you want to call him, it's J hap. (laughs) J hap is uh, is a left handed pitcher and is pitching, and that's the reason why he's not playing. So um, I wouldn't read too much into that. I'm sure people will freak out and say, "Oh, Tyler Wade deserves to be the the starting second baseman on opening day." Blah blah blah. But yeah, no, it's other than that, that there's really uh, nothing mysterious about this lineup.
2: He earned himself a roster spot and he's going to get playing time. He'll play over the weekend as soon as he's already on the mound. And he got number 12, which is the Bizarro number, which is the only thing that's concerning about Tyler Wade right now for me, is that they gave him number 12. The most recent Yankee to wear number 12 is our boy Chase Headley. And before that... I actually was tweeting about the article I wrote. It was like last January. It's the Bizarro Yankees. Just an endless list of journeymen, random-ass players that have come into the Bronx and worn number 12. It's actually astonishing how many there are.
3: All right. Well, so let's whip off some of that list so we can hear some of these. Uh...
2: Pudge Rodriguez.
3: Okay. Definitely not a Yankee.
2: <laughs> no, but a random-ass Yankee. Yeah. Uh, Andy Phillips. Tony, Wom- Tony Womack. Vernon Wells uh um, Andy Phillips didn't wasn't he a second baseman slash first
3: baseman first base he played some second too I think I, th- I thought he like uh, slid over he reminds me a
2: little bit of uh Tyler Austin uh Eric Chavez so uh, Eduardo Nunez <laughs> a lot of them yeah there's a it's a it's a random number
3: it's it's surprising too because it's one of the lower numbers that's still available so you'd think that that one would get gobbled up
2: by a good player maybe Tyler oh. maybe Tyler Wade can be the guy Soriano wore it back in his day, de- back in the day, and then when he came back, uh, in the what was it 2013 that he came back? Yeah, about that. Yeah, he he took it back. So the Yankees enter opening day at about 167 million dollar payroll which is the lowest that they've had in many years. So they're seventh, ranked seventh in baseball. They haven't been ranked that low since the early 90s. And they haven't had a $167 million payroll, just total number. It hasn't been that low since 2003. So everything we talked about this offseason with the Yankees getting under the tax threshold, having flexibility to add more flexibility, that, that word that Brian Cashman loves, they did it. The fact that they're that
3: far down on the payroll scale when you're talking about these play- these teams is is crazy. Um, it <laughs> it's so against what we were used to, and and the fact that the Brian Cashman has has worked this payroll to a point where they're they're not even on the top five. Like top five graphic is sent all over the place, and the New York Yankees aren't on it. And that's the first time in a long time that that was, um, that that's the case. RJ, one of the, one of our editors in Bronx Penitentiary had a beautiful caption and a beautiful headline on one of the Facebook articles, articles that we wrote about this. And it said, uh, RIP to the Yankees by championships argument (laughs) from everybody else around the league, every other fan base in the world, uh, you know, flipping the bird because... We're not even top five.
2: Yeah. Red Sox are, are number one in the league. Clear, Two, clearly number one. 223 million. Yeah. They, they're outspending the Dodgers by a good amount of money. You know, things have gotten crazy. Uh, it's talking about bizarro world. Um, Red Sox. I mean, the Red Sox always had a big payroll, but they're outspending the Yankees by a good amount, outspending the Dodgers by a good amount. So before we get to the bird talk, we are going to get to some, some bird analysis. Uh, last night. Analysis. R- uh, extra r- bones. We're going to anal- analyze the bones. Yeah, nice word. Uh, Rich and I went to a Thuzio event in which Mark Teixeira was being interviewed by Joel Sherman. It was a really fun event. If you were following Bronx Pinstripes on Instagram and on Twitter, you probably saw the, the videos we were putting out. We did live video. I did it for about 10, 15 minutes of the conversation. Teixeira was fantastic. And I think you and I have talked that he's really good on ESPN pre, pre and post game. It just seems like he's a natural for that kind of thing. He's got a
3: personality. I mean, he's. I mean, remember the the whole. What was the name of his little show that he stood to the right? Falter. Falter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Some people like like his his uh, his humor. Other people really don't like his humor and just think it's dumb. But the bottom line is, he's got that kind of personality. So he likes to joke around. He's super outgoing and he's a good storyteller.
2: He actually told us that the day he announced his retirement, his agent got an email from ESPN saying that they would like to talk to him about doing uh, some work with them. Yeah, that
3: makes sense. They're, I think they're always looking for those charismatic guys who have a lot of playing experience, right?
2: Yeah, and um, he was—he kind of said, "I'm not. I'm, let me finish." Because this, remember, he announced—he announced his retirement uh, with like two months to go. Yeah, it was said, kind le- of abrupt. He said, let me take the the rest of the season to think it over. I'm still focused on on playing baseball right now. But he just said it was the right fit for him. But uh, Rich and I actually got to speak with him for close to 10 minutes before the event actually started. He was doing a little mingling. Um, There were two guys that just would not leave him alone. They actually brought a bat for him to sign. They brought a jersey for him to sign. One guy had the thickest Long Island accent mock mock i have a tattoo on my arm of the yankees i tell my wife all the time it goes yankees and then it goes you and then it goes the kids that's just what i tell her oh nine mark was my favorite year in a long time mock so he had some
3: uh up. he had some stage five clingers
2: yeah he did and um we were just trying to talk to him casually maybe get a get a pick in there for the bronx pinstripes instagram but Tashera was uh pretty gracious with his time i asked him about greg bird i said what you know You know what What glass looks like. How does he get past this? I'm trying to think how exactly how I worded it. I said, "Mark, you dealt with some injuries late in your career. What would you What would you say to Bird?" And he's like, he just kind of like took a pause, like a deep breath, and said, "I feel bad for the kid, man." I went through that stuff. Some guys are, are, I said, do you believe some guys are just injury prone? He said, absolutely. You see guys play hard for 162 games. They run through walls and for whatever reason, their body holds up. You see other guys, they get injured more often. He's, I think he compared it to genetics. He said, you know, you might get, you might get sick in the winter. You might, you might have, um, you might get the, the chicken pox or whatever it may be. Like different people have different things. You might have bad eyesight. Some people might just. Get injured more. Some people are good at baseball. Others are not. Right. And he said the thing that concerns him most about the bird thing is that it's surgery for a second time in two years on the exact same foot ankle issue. And he's like, you know, when a guy has Tommy John surgery on the same arm, he's he's not the same. And it's not going to get better from here for bird. It's not like his foot is miraculously going to be back to when he was 18 years old. It's not going to happen it's
3: just strange. I mean, there's a comparison to, to um, being injury prone. And then, and then there's Greg Bird who has bone spurs and just like weird things happening with, with bones. It's not, it's not like he's running into walls or, or running really hard or, or doing anything that's like, you know, exerting more effort with a swing or anything. It's a strange bone in his foot. It's like a, it's like a deformity in the of the bone. It's it's a it's a weird thing. It's like a lack of calcium or I don't know what the hell it is. But it, it is something or too much with his genetics or too, too much, much calcium. calcium.
2: Because but they removed like he's, a coin sized calcium deposit from his ankle.
3: It's not like he's going out like uh you know hitting his foot on things. He's just doing normal activities and and things are happening with his foot. So yeah, that's a problem because there's nothing actually that he's doing that's making. This foot hurt. He's just going through what he would normally do, and then the foot along the way, at some point, somewhere, is becoming injured. And yeah, that's, that's a the, problem. That's
2: what injury prone is, though. You're going about your daily routine. You're just going through your workouts, going through games, and that foot is not as durable as his left foot or as Aaron Judge's foot or whatever it may be. I, I don't I mean, know. Shit, do we have to? do we have to amputate the thing and put put a titanium foot on him just so he doesn't have these issues anymore. Like what is going to have to happen? I mean,
3: he's not going to get slower. It's not going to get slower. So why not? Maybe the look, the thing is, is that like when you're talking about an injury prone guy, I, I think of a guy that gets hurt easily. And when like, if anything, if he slides into second base, he could come up limping or something like that. You know, we always, we always joke about sometimes having uh like soft tissue injuries and, and those continuing to come back. But this is different. This is a, this is a, Uh, just uh, literally a bone that he can't do anything about that. He's not overexerting unless he's just putting his own weight on it. And that's, and that's becoming a problem uh, for, for the bone structure in his foot. I don't even know how to freaking talk about it because I don't really understand how something like this occurs multiple times. It's, it baffles me, but unfortunately it's, it's one of those things. It seems like he can't prevent, like you can't work harder to be stronger And then not get a bone injury out of the freaking blue because you're going to get it because you have bones that, you know, make deposits and and become a problem. I don't freaking know. I don't even know what I'm saying about this, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not something that you can control or even like you can't make your bones stronger. At some point, milk stops working
2: no i i understand what you're crazy. saying it's not like it's not like he's getting uh chronic hamstring injuries and there's treatment he needs to do and precautions right. he needs to take before a game extra stretching at extra or different you know pliability that kind of thing yeah i mean a bone injury is is that's why it's scary without impact
3: without impact unless the impact is like stress from just doing everyday well, last things. year
2: last year he fouled the ball off his foot that seems to be what what sparked this whole thing this year. Nothing like that happened. At least nothing has come out. We don't know if he did something training out back on that Hill that we, that we might never hear about for all we know, he was just going about his daily routine, just walking through the clubhouse and he, he just stepped on a stair wrong and then boom, there goes his foot.
3: We need someone who's listening. Who's a foot guy or a, an ass man, a, but podiatrist? A, a podiatrist to, to give us, um, you know, tweet us or send us an email or something and explain what the hell is actually happening no, in real life. I don't life.
2: know if we actually need that. Like, you know, how I want to know reading you can
3: email it, me. You can send no. it to me. I want to know.
2: Yeah. Let Scott read it though. Because with our reading ability on this podcast, you start throwing medical terms out there. We're screwed. Yeah. So I don't know how we got right into uh Guess bur- what happens when you start talking
3: about it. one injury prone first baseman, you get into the other one.
2: Oh, yeah. Just to wrap up the Teixeira thing, though, he was also talking about how Vincente Padilla was absolutely nuts. Yeah. You remember when uh, he had that beef with with Padilla? Yeah. Apparently stemmed all the way back to his Texas days. Yes, it did. I
3: remember that. They had a beef for a long time.
2: Yeah, Padilla was on the Rangers, and he was just drilling people left and right. And because Teixeira was one of the best hitters on that team, he would get hit from the other pitchers. And instead of Padilla saying, sorry, or I'm not going to do that again, he would laugh about it. And that is when Tashera and the rest of the teammates. I believe he he actually said Michael Young got hit. Who was at that point? You remember Michael Young was like the the Ranger face of the Rangers. Yeah. Um. Michael Young gets hit because Padilla just nailed somebody. The Padilla is shown on camera laughing in the dugout. The next day he gets released.
3: Yeah, Padilla was a a strange dude. For, I mean, I remember reading things and hearing all sorts of things about him. How he was kind of a, a lunatic and a little bit. A little bit off kiltered, um, but he's he's definitely one of those guys who wanted to go inside all the time. And had no, he he was he was a headhunter, too. He had no problem going at the head. Oh yeah,
2: total jackass. But he kept getting jobs just because he had he had good stuff. He could get people out. He was also drilling people. Um, and it was, we also asked him what who are some of his favorite teammates. And one of the random names that he picked out was Eric Chavez, number twelve. Which, uh, yeah, number twelve, bizarre world. He he said all all the other. Um, all the other standard uh, guys you could have imagined said, obviously, Jeter and A-Rod, but then just dropped an Eric Chavez on us, which was kind of funny. Um, one more thing about Bird, though, because um, I I have to, have to bring it up. So six to eight weeks he's going to be out, which takes us to mid to late May. He's going to then have to do uh, rehab after that. I don't know, two weeks if all goes well. So we're probably looking at early June before we see Bird back in the Bronx. Do you think the Yankees look outside of the organization if things are not going well with uh, the Walker, Tyler Austin? Because, shit, Tyler Austin could pull up with an injury tomorrow, for all we know. Um, If things are not going well with the the first baseman they currently have on the roster, um, do they go outside the organization?
3: Absolutely, because there's nobody inside the organization that's going to help them to the— you know, to the extent that they want. So, yeah, absolutely, they're gonna they're gonna look at all the options at that point. And they're, pro- I guarantee, you right now, Brian Cashman is doing his due diligence on first baseman, and he's looking around the league. I'm su- honestly, I'm I'm actually surprised um, that we're not hearing whispers of, of uh, Adam Lind, uh, but I guess that's because Tyler Austin is healthy and ready to go. But Adam Lind was uh, was somebody that I thought was the, that could come right back in because you know he's a professional hitter, uh, could play first base. We're going to see one of those guys. But yeah, he's going to be doing his due diligence, looking around. You have to. You have to. You can't just leave a void at first base. It's a big position. It's a big power position, too.
2: And it's also a thing where they can't just say, well, he's going to come back in June and and everything's going to be fine and dandy because you can't count on that. Well, I mean, they're going to, I think they can, they could buy some
3: time with, with the guys that they currently have, but yeah, I mean, you look down in the minor leagues and unless you're looking at, you know, the one internal option that I think could could be a potential is if Anduar goes over there and plays first base and, and does well, um, that's that's somebody that they cool. might think about going up. And you, you could don't know, Could you
2: imagine if uh Bird gets Wally Pip by Miguel Anduar? It could happen. It absolutely I mean I'm not
3: even saying it's not even a Wally Pip at this point. I mean like you know that's this is this just keeps happening. So at some point <laughs> at some point it's just uh you know you're you have to stay healthy. Um, but cool. yeah the 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 patience is running out. One I could tell you that the patience is running out with, with Yankee fans because it's just frustrating. Um, it is frustrating. And I, I know he's not trying to get hurt. Like, obviously, obviously. it sucks for Greg Bird. It, it does. It absolutely sucks for Greg Bird because he's pumped up ready for this opportunity. And But it sucks for us as well because we've seen what he can do. We know now, you know, we've gotten a little taste of Greg Bird a couple times, some flashes in the pan uh, of this guy. And he could be freaking dynamic in, at uh, at first base and in Yankee Stadium. I mean, like, literally, Section 205 might as well be the bird's nest because that's where he parks those balls. Like, that's the spot. He's going to he would pepper that that section uh, at Yankee Stadium. It's it's built for him.
2: Yeah, you're going to hear in the voicemails that people are annoyed with Greg Bird. I know. I I know. <laughs> I think hopefully we'll also hear some some fun opening day voices. Don't hold your breath. Well, <laughs> <laughs> see that's that's the we learned that the voicemail the voicemail segment of the show is on fire when something goes wrong. When everything is going well, the voicemail gets a little bit quieter.
3: Yeah. Yeah, people like to complain. I understand that.
2: All right, because it's opening day, let's do some uh predictions because we are so good at making predictions. How many games are the Yankees going to win this year? I'm going out I I look, I really think we all know that uh
3: I'm the optimistic one, right? We've already said this. Isn't that the case? Um, so I have a uh, glass half full, and I'm still glass glass half full. I don't care who's playing first base at this point. Glass half full. Uh, I actually think this team is going to be very good, and I, I think they're going to do better than last year, and I, I think they're going to go out there, and uh, my prediction, I think what I put down, was 101 wins.
2: Mm, damn. That's um, four more than I said, and four more than I believe Vegas is putting them at, at 97. And – 101 wins is actually, I think, what the the Astros won last year, and they had home field advantage. If the Yankees are going to want home field advantage in the playoffs, they're going to have to win over 100 games because I believe either the Indians or the Astros will win 100 games. And the reason being is because they are the only really good teams in their division where the Yankees have the Red Sox to deal with. So, yeah, the Yankees might beat up on the Orioles. They might beat up on the Rays. But if they go 500 against the Red Sox, it's going to be hard to win 101 games. Right. No, it's it's absolutely true, and I think that's uh, a little bit of extra
3: motivation where these guys can do it. Or you know, looking at some of the some of the opportunities where they can gain more, knowing that they're going to have really tough games against the Red Sox, they're going to have to uh, take more you know take more of the games from the lesser teams. Those are going to become almost must wins because they have to start looking at that. Like, and that's what has to happen early in the season. The guys are looking at some of the series that that they're going into um, even early on. Is like these are important games because at the end of the season you know, it's going to come down to two or three games, one game, who knows every game, every game when it's as tightly contested as, you know, as we saw uh, towards the end of the year is important. So I I think these guys have the right mentality with that. I I feel like they're extremely um, keen and ready to go for this stuff. So that's why I I see uh, a little bit more of an
2: improvement from what Vegas sees. Who do you got for MVP? You can give me league MVP or you can give me team MVP, whatever you want.
3: Uh, and we, we actually get- the
2: reason we're doing this is because we we filled out projections uh, predictions today actually so this is all fresh in our mind
3: yeah well yeah our, our guy Rohan is putting out our prediction list that we do every year so. Um I want people to uh, to hold us accountable, you know, for all these uh, good stuff. But the the league, the MVP, I still think Trout. If he's healthy, he's going to go back in there. Um, I actually went under little uh, under the radar. I think uh, Gary Sanchez. I put down as the MVP for the team because I actually think Gary Sanchez is going to um, hit a lot more home runs than people uh, think he will. I think he's going to hit more home runs than everybody on the team.
2: That's not under the radar at all. And in fact, I put Gary Sanchez for not only the team MVP but for the league MVP. I wonder why. It's like we talk base, Yankee baseball every week or something together. I don't know. I don't think we picked the same Cy Youngs for the league and the team though. Who do you have for Cy Young?
3: So I actually have, I have such a homer on all my predictions this year. It's <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> but I have, um, I have Sonny Gray. I put Sonny Gray as the, oh league, as the league Cy Young too, because yeah. I think Sonny Gray is going to win 20 games. I think this is why we're going to win 101 games. You're going to see a guy like Sonny Gray go out there and just dominate the other three number three starters or whoever he's matching up on a given day and he's going to be set up to 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 win a lot of games so that's that's the reason I'm saying that I think he's going to have a good ERA I think he's going to keep uh the the team in the games I think he's going to at least pitch five innings there's no doubt about that
2: um well five innings ain't going to get him a Cy Young uh, no my vote.
3: point is he's going to rack up a lot of wins and it's going to look okay. very good well hope, and I yeah. think I think you have to consider that in today's baseball You know, if the guy is going to be in a game long enough, it's in order to get a win because a lot of teams are bringing in bullpens so early and Sonny Gray is just not that guy. I mean, if Jordan, if you're talking about like CeCe Sabathia or Jordan Montgomery, then, then yeah, I would say that that would be an issue, but um, not with Sonny, not with Sonny Gray. I think he's going to have a
2: really good year. So you actually just made me think of something interesting uh, with guys staying in games long enough to to be considered for that Cy Young. I wonder if we start to see more bullpen guys get Cy Young votes. Like like Chad Green had a Cy Young caliber season last year, but I just think it's too early. It's too. It would be too. Um, I don't know, controversial for the writers to have given it to him last year. But who knows, five years from now, if starters aren't pitching 200 innings, if they're only pitching 160, 170 innings, maybe a guy like Chad Green, who has a season like he did last year, gets some Cy Young love.
3: It's, it's, you know, it's not out of the realm. They might just uh, start going to the guy who performed the best, you know, and especially when the innings start getting closer, then yeah, it's going to be the best pitcher, no matter if you're a starter or not.
2: So I was uh, I put Severino for the team Cy Young. And uh, who obviously he won that last year, considering he got actual Cy Young votes. And I couldn't decide who was going to win the league Cy Young. So I put Shohei Otani. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, he may not
3: start in the major leagues. Uh, no, he is. He's like their number four, right? If number four star. I yeah.
2: love how somebody in the Facebook group,
3: uh, Matt Krantz, I think did it um, projected to May 26th, I think. Yeah. <laughs> if he's going to be the guy starting on Saturday. I love that.
2: That is just the kind of passion that yeah. uh, I love about our listeners. Yeah,
3: so it's one day off, so I feel like we're we're good because there's going to be some weird oh, yeah. one day thing right there, right? So he's going to pitch on Saturday.
2: Many, many a rain out. Yeah,
3: exactly. I love it. No, it's although just be it doesn't perfect.
2: really rain in Anaheim, but who knows? Um, they do play. They do play games on the road, though. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, who? It's tough to say rookie of the year for either the league or for. Um, for the team, but if, if if someone on the Yankees, let's just do Yankees rookie of the year. If someone's going to be the rookie of the year for the Yankees this year, who's it going to be?
3: Man, rookie of the year for the Yankees. If that's the case, then then something is uh, something is going awry, right? Because I don't think it's going to be Tyler Wade. If that that would be the the one real big shock. But I mean, I think you still have to default to uh, Gleyber Torres as as coming up and playing second base or the other one is if anduar could come up and show that he could play first base and be the knight in shining armor and walk up to the bronx and just come in and dominate first base and mash the ball then yeah
2: he's your boy so here's how uh, a path for clint frazier to win team rookie of the year <laughs> Aaron Hicks turns back into a pumpkin and he is not the all star center fielder that Brian Cashman believes he is. And then they have to move Brett Gardner to center field. And because Stanton, it just frankly does not like left field, Clint Frazier is your everyday left fielder. Okay. Um,
3: yeah. Ellsbury's got to, you know, maybe he's still on. Is he still having an oblique? Are we, are we still
2: talking about an oblique for Ellsbury at this point? Uh, well, you'll find out what Ellsbury doing in my bold predictions. Okay, great.
3: Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a tough path for a rookie of the year to come out of the New York Yankees because Gleyber Torres, because he had that, 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 that Rocky of a spring, if you'll call it that, um, he didn't really, you know, carve out that role for him. I think it was his to carve out and he just didn't do it. So it, it'll, it'll, we'll see if he gets enough time up in the, in the bigs, but he's going to have to knock down the door to even get up here.
2: Uh, what's DD's emoji for Giancarlo Stanton going to be?
3: So I had two, I had two of these and one of them was the, uh, like just, I thought an obvious one. There's like a, like a statue in the emoji thing of like the, the, like a totem pole statue. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, anyway, it's a statue because the dude's built like a statue. So whether it's a statue of that one, or if he goes out and does the statue of Liberty, which I thought would be controversial, I didn't think he would do that. That's why I picked the other statue. And then the (laughs) other one would be just a play on words and something really dumb, everybody in Miami. And I think all his friends and people at home call him cruise. So I put a cruise ship.
2: Oh, okay. That's, that's actually pretty good. Um, if his nickname is Cruz, then that's definitely what it's going to be. Okay. There's uh, a lot of emojis in that list, though. Yeah, of course. But, uh, but Didi, we have found, likes to go for the nickname because he put the clown, the clown for Gardner, and we found out that, that Gardner is kind of like the, the team clubhouse clown.
3: Yeah. I mean, he does, he does do some of them like that. I don't know if Cruz is, uh, is something that he brings to the Yankees. I don't know if people are calling him Giancarlo. I don't know what they're calling him. Um, so we'll see. He could go I- off the wall.
2: I, I put the uh, the weightlifter. Okay,
3: yeah, I almost put that, and then I thought it would be too obvious, so I didn't. But I
2: what's needed your, I needed some more creativity. What's your bold prediction?
3: Uh, my bold prediction goes back to the Cy Young. It's Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray with a twenty game win, and I know yours is an elaborate um, an elaborate uh, tale. <laughs> it it uh, is. Uh, Tale of the Bronx. But mine mine is just, you know, this is this is I think Sonny Gray is and I, I'm putting myself out with Sonny Gray. I guess I'm I'm hooking on to the Sonny Gray bandwagon this year. I, I think Sonny Gray with Oakland was, you know, every when when this guy's healthy and he was pitching in Oakland, he was one of the best starters in the American League. Now with, you know, a full spring training with Gary Sanchez, um, you know, a second half with Gary Sanchez in the in the um, back of last year, I think they they earned a lot of um, a lot of trust with each other by going through what they did as far as the playoffs and things like that. So I think you're going to see a better relationship between the two, and I think that's important because I think because Sunday Gray throws so many um, so many breaking pitches and he changes it up so much. I think the comfort level with your catcher is important for a guy like him. And you know, again, like I said, he's not the one, two, or three. So th- or one or two, and actually not the three because CC starting out is the three, but theoretically he's going to be going up against lesser opponents, which gives him uh, you know an advantage. I think just starting the game.
2: You remember Boone said there are no personal catchers on this team? Right. And I love that. That is maybe my favorite quote by Aaron Boone so far. Uh, yeah, uh, Sanchez is going to get a day off, and it might be a Sonny Gray start. It might be a Masahiro Tanaka start. It might be a Luis Severino start. But there's not gonna be anything where Roman is always catching uh a certain pitcher, which which I think is perfect. And I know Sanchez worked his ass off this offseason and he worked hard. I know extra with Sonny Gray in spring training because you could tell they were not on the same page after right. Gray came over. I mean that's pretty obvious. And it takes um, time
3: with a guy like that who throws that many pitches and, and has that much that much break on his ball. Like you gotta get used to the way that those spin and and you know how the, the ball comes out of his hand. So look, I, you know, I was on Gary Sanchez big time from from last year because it was at the time extremely frustrating uh, when you see that. But you know, t- take a, take a step back and look back It's probably pretty tough when you when you have a, a guy like Sonny Gray
2: with the way that he throws. And we have mocked the whole new rule where you can only go out to the mound six times, but I th- that is a big deal for Gary Sanchez, who not only is, he speaks a different language than Sonny Gray, but also Sonny Gray, like you just said, throws a ton of pitches. There would be a lot of times that, that Sanchez would just go out just to be on the same page as him. So having that full season, they're going to be on the same page more. He's not going to need to go out to the mound as much. So it's just one of those, it's, I don't know. I, I, did we not give that sort of dynamic enough credit at the end of last year? Well, I think we don't. I don't
3: think a lot of people gave enough credit to the fact that Sonny Gray came over to a new situation with a new catcher, and and like all this stuff was was brand new, um, coming from Oakland. That you know maybe he just didn't get his feet completely settled underneath him and his legs underneath him while he was a Yankee at the end of the year. Like it's not an excuse. I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just using that as a real life thing. Like maybe that is potentially something now that you have time. And obviously we know when you have a good relationship with a catcher and a pitcher, like these guys are, you know, they know what they're doing before they even throw the sign down because they're on the same page. Like that is an extremely important, they call it a battery for a reason. It, it gets things going. And, and it's, it's the, it's the, um, you know, the energy for the entire team. So, you know, you have to have that that chemistry. And the chemistry does not happen overnight. You know, it's got to take time.
2: Right. I took bold prediction uh, a little bit differently than you did. So I think the Yankees are going to win 97 games, but it's not enough to get them home field advantage. They're going to have a rematch with the Astros in the ALCS. We're going to be right back where we were in Houston game seven. It's, it's the bottom of the ninth inning right now. So things are getting real. Yankees are down by three, but Greg Bird, who's back and healthy, is At the plate with the bases loaded. Smokes a ball 450 feet over the right center field wall. Everyone is going crazy in the Yankees' dugout. Everyone at home is saying, Greg Bird, we forget about all your foot issues. As Bird is rounding the bases, he trips over the bag, breaks his foot again. He tries to crawl around the bases, but it's taken like 25 minutes, and the umpires are like, I got to call you out, man. Sorry. So the game is actually tied. Fast forward, we're in the 22nd inning. Both teams are out of pitchers. No one can get any hits. Uh, the only guy on the bench that the Yankees haven't used at this point is Jacoby Ellsbury. But the, the thing is, Ellsbury was not really injured. He, he was just faking his oblique the whole time. He was working on a knuckleball. A lefty knuckleball is some wild shit. You've never seen that before. So the, he comes out throwing knucklers. The Astros can't hit him. Yankees scratch across a the run. They go to the World Series. Ellsbury is the hero of the ALCS, but of course gets left off the World Series roster because he is useless anyway. Uh, We have gone fucking delirious.
3: (laughs) Delirious.
2: Oh, are you in other news in Rays baseball news? Of course, a lot of Rays news comes out after we record the Rays preview. First, your boy ref is on the team, which is fun. But our guy Nathan Avaldi is hurt again. I actually feel really bad for Nathan Avaldi. Like I gave him a lot of crap, but I feel bad for Avaldi.
3: Yeah, and he he came off of a Tommy John surgery. Now he's got loose bodies in his elbow. So <laughs> between calcium deposits and bodies in your elbow, I don't know what the hell is happening with these people and and their bones and their uh, and and their body parts. It sucks for Nathan Avaldi. It's going to be tough for him to come back from that. Let's all be honest. It, yeah. He it seems like this the elbow is not in a good place and um so he's got arthroscopic surgery to clean all that stuff out. I guess he's going to be back at some point this year, but you know, I don't know. He's he's definitely climbing an uphill, uphill uh, battle at this point. And Ref Snyder, good for him. I've always said that the Devil Rays are a perfect spot for him. Uh, they're going to give him hopefully an opportunity to play, whether it's in the infield or somewhere in the outfield. Uh, I think he is um, he's in the right place. He can get some some good opportunity and make the most of it. I I wish him well. And like I said, maybe we might lose
2: a game now because Ref Snyder, although. I'm really kind of kidding. And as as you heard on the the what Neil was talking about, we were talking about that four man rotation. So they just lost one of their four. So now, three, <laughs> now the Rays are a three man rotation. No, I, I think Is they. Chris Ar- these- Is Chris Archer going to be on three days rest in the beginning in April? Honestly, that would be better than probably what they have lined up uh, in back of them. I forget who they announced as the new number four starter, but um, yeah, the Rays are going to suck. They're going to suck really bad. They have a lot of young players, like a
3: lot of young players. So maybe yeah, they, they come do. out of the
2: gate. Who knows? No, they have a lot of young players, but I, I, so I was talking with with Neil, and I said, "Why wouldn't they trade Archer?" I understand Archer is still locked up, but the the Rays are not going to be good in the next two years. So you trade Archer to get an even more prospects, and the, the Rays can really rebuild that way. But yeah, sort of like they, the that's Machado what they need situation. to.
3: That's what they need to do is load up. And I mean, do you really think they're not going to trade Chris Archer? They're going to tr- they're going to trade him. The deadline that like he's gone.
2: I agree. Yeah
3: there would be um, it would be absolutely especially with what they did in this offseason like they started shipping out everybody like everybody they had a wheel and they were just spinning the wheel like who's getting traded now chris archer has been has been saved by the wheel of death but come uh, come all-star break come trade deadline he's gone
2: before we end the show with voicemails and we got to give away a t-shirt for air, our rating and reviews, So guys, take a minute in iTunes. Go give us a five-star rating and review if you enjoy the show. This is the number one way you can help us out. It um, it not only makes Scott feel really nice, but it, it, but it, uh, it helps promote our show, frankly. Uh, it gets it bumped up in the iTunes rankings. And the more people that see it, the more people that listen, the better shows that we can put on, the more guests we can get on, all that kind of stuff. So it's the number one way uh, you guys can help us out. The winner... Do you want uh, me to read this one? All right, go for it. You want me
3: to read it? Okay. So the winner is uh, is I don't even know how to say his name because it's just yo it's it's just yo yo a hundred times with a couple of twos in there. So yo two yo two yo two, uh, and the name of this is it says quit dry humping me, and I I will. It says, uh, the review states, the podcast is amazing. Other than the fact that Andrew is a Tereus hater, you two are great. We need the season to get going. Though, because one podcast a week during spring training, as Mickey Calloway would probably say, is like dry humping in the bullpen. I get up, I'm listening on Mondays, but then I get sat back down and forced to wait (laughs) till next Monday. My B-whips are going up like Batansis when Girardi was managing. So, good stuff. Love the originality, love the references. Very good. We're back to two a week. We're back to real baseball. The the world can can uh, start spinning normally again and resume uh real life things. So let's do this. Cause I I I am I am done with the offseason.
2: Oh can, yeah. Can you tell from my bold with, prediction that I'm done with the offseason? <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, let's get to voicemails. Guys, call up the voicemail line 646 480 0342. Light it up, good or bad, win or lose. I want to hear your guys' passion on the voicemail line. Let's go. Believe it or not,
4: George isn't at home Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone.
3: Where could I be?
2: Believe it or not, I'm not home. Yo, Frosty Stripes, what up?
4: It's Monday, probably one of the best Mondays all year.
2: I'm walking right now out of New York City. I'm ready. Opening day four days away. Yankees opening day a week from now. I'm draped in a Yankee hat on, hoodie, jacket, everything, man. It's time. I don't want to see another March Madness
1: game. Here we go. My 60-year-old mother with osteoporosis has stronger bones and is tougher than Greg Bird. You gotta be kidding me. Another season without Greg Bird coming back maybe 50 games to play? Ridiculous. Well, guys, I'm calling in about the whole Greg Bird situation. I don't necessarily feel angry about it. It is more I just feel frustrated for him and for the team. I mean, this guy's been so much with the shoulder, the ankle last year, and then the ankle again this year. He just can't catch a break. He has so much potential to be so good, to be the starting first baseman for this team. Thanks, but Won't hurt him too much. Um, I mean, I think he would have been the X factor. And he still tends to be in the second half, but um, I think Neil Walker was a. Uh, it's so back, uh, back up to the least. That one's like where it was last year, where the know is going to be going out there in a couple weeks, or trying to force someone like Chris Carter to work out. So that's a plus. To be honest, uh, at first I was frustrated, but I think, uh, I really should bet for, uh, suburban self, he's probably the most frustrated one out of everyone, but at this point, try to get healthy and get back on the field as soon as possible. Fuck
4: Greg Bird, what the fuck is he doing man, why the fuck are you injured in spring training again, two years in a row, fucking ship his ass up to San Diego to the Padres, just like you did Pedley, fuck him, fuck Ellsbury, fuck all that shit, bring in Tyler Wade, Tyler Austin, one of these young bucks, and let them fucking go off, fuck Greg Bird and his pussy ass foot, fuck him.
1: I am so sick and tired of Greg Bird's broken ass. We need to get rid of him and upgrade. Seriously, every year
3: it's the same crap. I'm done with it. Let's go, Yankees. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.
4: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.